Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, the perfect background noise as you hoard all of the gas. It is the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> we will talk more about that later. I find that whole trend absolutely hilarious. We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life. Rocket can. So, a lot of things going on right now. We just had the Hall of Fame inductions for the NBA. We got some weird news in Jacksonville about what they're going to do with Travis Etienne. Already a questionable pick for them. And now they're upping the ante with the weirdness. It's it's just a never-ending cycle of strange things that are happening all of a sudden in Jacksonville, which I guess is not surprising. It is Florida. Florida is known for being a bit of an eccentric place. So typical Florida things with Jacksonville. Now, what I do want to start with, though, is something that is incredibly simple and frustrating and you can't ignore it. Did you see LeBron today? Did you see LeBron today? Because I've spent time over the past couple of weeks. I mean, as all of this has been going down from the minute he started to miss all of that time and Anthony Davis was hurt and we were talking and was like, okay, well, let's see what happens here and how long are they going to be out and are they going to have time to figure things out as a team? Can you get that cohesion, that chemistry, even though they've played together, obviously they've been together and they won a title last year, but when you have a month and a half of not playing basketball together, you want to have that right before the playoffs. So what are the Lakers going to look like? Can they figure things out? LeBron comes back. You go, okay, here we go. And then he goes out again and you go, uh-oh, here we go. So the status for the Lakers has constantly been swinging. It has been the most unpredictable thing and the most volatile, important thing in the whole league. There's nothing more important than what LeBron James looks like. There is no player, there is no coach, there's nothing. There's nothing else that matters more than that. Why? Because have you seen the history of the NBA for the past, I don't know, 17 years? <laughs> like, how many finals has LeBron James been to at this point? It's, it's like every year. So you just have to assume that if a healthy LeBron James is available, then... That's going to be a big-time problem. And for the Lakers, you don't know. You don't know what you're going to get. We haven't known for a month and a half. He had a quote just a couple of weeks ago where he said, yeah, you know, I don't think I'll ever be 100%, which was, I mean, that's a bombshell kind of comment to drop. But when that happens and then he misses a couple more games, even just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Lakers had a major game against, the, or last week, they had a major game against the Blazers. Had to deal with the playing tournament. LeBron didn't play. You go, uh-oh, what's going to happen with LeBron? Well, he looks great. He looks great. He looks amazing. I don't know if you... Did you see any of the Crescefo? Like, it was... He looked ridiculous. Can't say I was locked in. Yeah, I... <laughs> I don't blame you. What were you up to today? What were you What were you doing? 
working. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Because I have to. You work nonstop. Well, yeah, I, I know that game, too. Like, I, I'm working seven days a week, man. I, I get the game. So, that's radio, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if my paycheck was only a little larger, maybe I wouldn't have to work that much. Yeah, you, me, and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, join the club. <laughs> yeah, uh, the big, the high rollers at this hour on the air. So, like... But, you know, it's a morning show. Yeah, it is a morning show. I will stand by that. It is factually accurate. On the East Coast, it is 2.04 in the morning. Mountain Time, which is our biggest demographic, it is midnight. Um, Central, it's 1 o'clock. So basically everywhere at the West Coast, it's a morning show. In an hour from now, it's absolutely a morning show. And soon the pay will reflect. Otherwise, we have new management. So let's do this. Talking about LeBron here. Does it change anything for you? Did you see what he did today? Was there anything about that performance from LeBron James? Because I watched that game, and when I watched the Lakers take the floor at the very beginning of the game, LeBron gets the ball. LeBron eyes a guy up. LeBron aggressively drives to the net. I go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. This is not good. This is not fun. This is not exciting for me. I do not want to see this kind of LeBron James right now because, I mean, full disclosure here, I'm a Sixers guy, right? Like, I am a fan of the Sixers. The Sixers just won the one seed in the East. I am ecstatic about that. The city is already losing its mind over the team uh, positively and negatively. So I love the whole ride of the Sixers experience. I don't want anything to do with the Lakers. Like, I literally just put a hundred bucks on the Sixers to win the title today. Okay. (laughs) I felt it. I looked at the odds and I was like, you know what? I I have a risk-free bet. I just signed up on an app. So I was like, okay, they gave me a hundred bucks risk-free. I was like, well, then here we go. We're going all in on the Sixers, baby. They're eight to one odds. I was like, okay, I got a number one seed in the East at eight to one odds. I'll take it. I'm ready to ride. So I wanted nothing to do with the Lakers. I just, and for the most part, over these last few weeks, I've become more and more acclimated to the idea that LeBron wasn't going to be the same guy. And that the Lakers were really, I mean, they're going to be a factor, but they're not going to be the factor, right? Like, there were teams that I could look at and make the case. And really, over the past couple of weeks, we've had that conversation. Right? Like, we've talked about this a couple of different times in a couple of different ways because you had to. You know, like, there are certain times where we look at great players or great teams and we fantasize about the end, right? It's the idea of, oh, well, Tom Brady, I don't know, he's 38. Maybe now's the time. Like, there's no real other basis than just hope. Like, it's, that's all that was. We've seen it a bunch of times with him. But it's just hope. It's like, I don't know, he's older now. He blew out some candles on a cake. So clearly he's going to lose all his powers now. And, like, none of that happened. Um, to some degree with the Golden State Warriors, for all the injuries they've had, people wanted to say Steph Curry was done this year. We've been having all these discussions at the beginning of the year. Oh, Steph Curry doesn't have it. Oh, without Clay Thompson, who was Steph Curry? And he's like, yeah, uh, how about you people shut up and watch me drop 60? Okay, like, let's let's not forget who I am and where I'm at and what I'm capable of. So Steph Curry dealt with that earlier this year, and he beat it all back. But we have this fascination. We have this obsession where we want to speculate the end of great things. 
And for LeBron James and with the injury stuff and right now with the Lakers, I was starting to finally believe that there was a turn in the tide here, that he just wasn't going to be healthy enough, which for LeBron, other than the first year with the Lakers where they were towards the top of the West and he did get injured and they weren't able to make it to the playoffs, like... It's LeBron James. He just figures it out every single year. He's always healthy. He's always been able to play every single game, every single minute. It's just always been who he is. Maybe it was time. Maybe it was time with the guy who's played more minutes than anybody. Maybe with all of the playoff appearances, finals appearances, all that from the age of 19 years old, all of that catching up to him, maybe this is the beginning. Maybe he's not healthy enough. Maybe when he comes back, he's going to be a shell of himself. Maybe when he comes back, he's forcing himself back, and he's got moments, but eh, he's not the same guy. I saw LeBron James today. He's the same guy. I mean, he is the same. Nothing has changed. He, if no one told you before the game, hey, uh, LeBron's been injured, and he's been going through this and that, you'd watch and just go like, yeah, he looks great. And uh, when are we watching the Lakers in the finals? Are they the one seed or not? Like, those are the kinds of things that you would think about. Because I just, I watched him today, and I just go, oh, my goodness. Like, he's, because the thing is, too, and this is one of the things that I really do enjoy, and I was talking about it with Steph Curry just a minute ago. I do love the times where you you see a star player, and especially with LeBron, when you see him motivated, right? Like, this was a game where he came out today, and he was looking to prove something. And when you get a player of that caliber looking to prove something, I mean, that is powerful stuff. And that was a man on a mission today. Go watch the highlights. All the different kind of dunks. He's alley-ooping the ball to Anthony Davis. Like, at the end of the game, there was a point Lakers had a big lead. And it's going down and down and down and down and down. And what do you know? LeBron James goes off. He scores like seven points by himself all in a row. And he blows the lead back up. And the Lakers hold on and win the game. They needed that game. Like, they're fighting right now. And this has been really the biggest story in the NBA to some degree. Like, they are fighting to be out of the seventh seed into the sixth seed and out of the play-in tournament. So, this game did matter for them. But also, it's sending a message to everybody else. Like, hey, we're coming for you. You know, I look good. Because the same way that we sit here and we just speculate and kind of hope that, Hey, maybe LeBron's done. Maybe this is it for the Lakers. They're not going to be a real threat this year. Other guys in the NBA are doing that too. And they're thinking, Oh, well maybe this is a chance to play the Lakers. LeBron's not any good. If we match up with them, it's not that bad. Well, no, 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 no. Now you see what he's doing. And if you're a team that can face the, the Lakers at six, seven, eight, you are sweating that outcome. Like you should be worried. And if you can tank and work the standings, and I think for the Clippers, this is a this is a big part of the debate right now. Like the Clippers are three, the Nuggets are four. So if the Lakers end up at six, uh-oh, right? Like, do you try to lose if you're the Clippers and try to drop to four? Like, if you're the Nuggets, do you try to lose and not try to play the Lakers if they make it out and they get to be the six? There's just certain things that you don't want to do here. Really, anything to do with the Lakers. like, And this is the thing that frustrates me so much. Because, yeah, I, I want them to be bad. I don't want LeBron James for right now. I want him to be healthy eventually. But 
I would have won a title, man. I would have won a title. Like, this this feels like a good shot to me. And I saw what he did today, and I go, well, uh, okay. Like, this, I've seen this story before now, and it feels like everything's gone. I mean, I remember the first game of the regular season this year watching Kevin Durant with the Nets. And so, oh, he's coming off the Achilles. I mean, you know, I know the Nets. Hey, I get it. Him and Kyrie. We'll see. I, no James Harden yet. He was fattening Houston and sad. Um, but Kevin Durant's coming off the Achilles. What's he going to look like? And then he looked amazing, and he probably dropped like 30, 35 points. And it was like, oh, okay, he's still Kevin Durant. Yeah, uh, Nets are going to win the East. Like, <laughs> you could just, you could feel that kind of energy. Obviously, a lot of things have gone on since then, and they're probably going to be the two seed. But with the Lakers now and seeing what LeBron did, it just it's forced me against my will to reevaluate everything with the West. That's where I'm at. And I'm curious for you out there, if you're a Suns fan, if you're a Jazz fan, if you're a fan of the Clippers. I mean, as a Clippers fan, you're as plugged into this stuff as anybody. So how do you feel about it? Like, does this make you feel worse? How do you feel about the Lakers? Are they a threat? Is LeBron the guy that you want to dodge? Do you feel like this is one game? Like the one argument that I can really come up with against the Lakers, the one thing I can say to myself that makes me feel better about this again, on a totally selfish level as a guy who's got a team with a legitimate title shot, I'm looking at this whole situation and I say, you know, Maybe as the playoffs wear on, like the fatigue, it's just he hasn't played in a little while. And like, I'm I'm searching for answers here. But from what I saw from LeBron today, I wanted the Suns to be out of the West. I would like to see the Jazz come out of the West. And I can't see it anymore. I can't see it. It just feels like it's the Lakers and nobody else. It took one game. Two months of going, well, maybe if this and this and that and this. And then I, I saw one game and it all just went up in smoke. So how do you feel? Like, do you buy the Lakers hype? Are, are you as mortified as I am? Because <laughs> it's it sucks, man. I mean, I'm, I just, I hate seeing them play so well. I want to win. I want to win. 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855 855- Two one two four two two seven. Now, one of the other things that's going to affect the Lakers here is we have a couple of games still to play today coming up on the last day of the season, Sunday. So what are those games? And, and we'll be talking about, by the way, just through over the course of the night, a lot of different things with the end of the NBA season. I want to get into some of the season awards, you know, Defensive Player of the Year and All-NBA and how that affects contracts. I want to get into some of the games specifically and what those matchups mean, how they can affect the play-ins and all that different stuff. We'll, we'll get a lot of NBA talk in along the way. But looking at this specifically with the Lakers and, and where they're going to go, whether or not they're in the play-in, which to me, that's the one thing I can still get excited about is like, I want to see the Lakers in the play-in. I want to see that so bad. One, I think it makes the Sixers' chances better, but two, it's fun. Like, it's it's LeBron James in a playing tournament that he wanted somebody fired for authorizing the idea. You know, isn't that interesting to you? Isn't that fun? Like, I want to see what he looks like in that environment back against the wall. It's going to be amazing basketball from him. So, I want to see that, but it depends on how a couple of games go today. So, they're going to play the Pelicans. Pelicans don't have Zion. 
We talked about that a little bit last week. The GM of the Pelicans came out and ripped the league and blamed the league in officiating for Zion injuring his hand. He has a fracture in his hand, so he's out for the year. But they're playing the Pelicans. They got to win this game. If they win that game and the Blazers lose, and that's the bigger thing here, the Trailblazers play the Denver Nuggets today. If the Blazers win, they're the sixth seed, and the Lakers are seven. So... A lot of big things like that. Very consequential games here at the end of the regular season. And again, we'll talk about a lot of it. So if you want to get in, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn. I hope you know that. I hope you've listened a couple of times over the last, I don't know, I've been here for like a year, I guess, in that ballpark. Anyway, uh, Vince Quinn usually doing this time here on CBS Sports Radio. If you want to keep up with me, you want to interact, like say you can't call in, which I get it. You might be up to something at work. Your boss will be mad if you're firing off sports takes in the middle of your shift. So fine, tweet me. Nice and easy. At It's Vince Quinn. It's all one word. It's Vince Quinn on Twitter. Send me over whatever you got. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no Listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. So maybe there's a trend I wasn't aware of, like a whole part of gamesmanship that I didn't quite get. There's a picture that's been going around of Carson Wentz, who's, you know, he's an NFL quarterback. He's standing next to Mario Andretti. Oh my God. The size difference is like alarming. I mean, I saw the picture. I legitimately thought Mario Andretti was photoshopped into the picture because he is that tiny next to Carson Wentz. Like, here's the picture, right? It's nothing remarkable at all in terms of, like, setting or anything. It's Wentz is standing there. He's just got, like, a regular polo and jeans on. He's got his hand in his pocket. He's hanging out, and he's got Andretti next to him. Andretti is standing on furniture, and as he's standing on the furniture, he's basically at Wentz's knees, okay? Like, his foot is at Carson Wentz's knee, and his head is still shorter than Carson Wentz. I didn't realize. Like, are guys that do that kind of racing, are they just generally, like, are you better off being shorter? Is that like with jockeys in horse racing? Like, I don't know if there's dynamics of fitting in a car with a smaller guy because, like, Andretti's a legend. So I totally get that. But I didn't realize how short he is. He's a very short guy. So anyway, that's uh, just something that caught my attention. During the break, um, if you want to get in and if you have any information on this, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show, 855-212-4227. Now, I'm a Sixers fan, right? Like, that's just, it's my team. And what I've ridden through, because before I did radio here with CBS, like, I came from somewhere, you know? I, I had to do some work in other places, well, I was lucky enough to do it in my hometown. So I was doing shows in Philly. And I've been there 
since the process, which if you don't know what the process is, it's very simple and it's something that you've heard a lot of conversation about in one way or another over the years. It's been a defining conversation of the NBA. And really, it comes down to tanking, right? Tanking is the process, which is accumulate as many picks, players, you know, cap space, whatever it is that you can get in the NBA. And there are so many different things, right? Like the NBA is such a weird beast because you can draft a player and you could draft them if you wanted to number one overall, and you could have the top pick in the draft and just send them to Europe for a couple of years. Just be like, yeah, go play in France and get back to me. Like they can, they can do that. They draft guys all the time that are overseas. And it's such a strange thing to think about, but That is an asset. It is a valuable commodity. It is a young player that you think has talent that's playing full-time minutes of professional basketball in another country. So he's not on your roster. You can push off some of the commitments with the contract, and you can also trade that guy. So that's an asset. Um, Adding lottery picks and getting the best pick in the lottery possible, losing games to increase your lottery odds is part of the process. And for the Sixers... It's been a very strange thing because within the city of Philadelphia, there was a civil war about this. Make no mistake. Like it was a culture war of what is basketball and what is legitimacy in sports and is losing to get draft picks a good strategy. And what's happened over the years is locally and nationally, there's been a really big conversation about is this the end of the process? Was the process a success? Was the process a failure? And it's popped up again because what happened is you have the Sixers now locking in the number one seed in the East. And so once they do that, naturally the process has come back into the conversation. And now it's swung from last year where they were terrible and miserable and they got swept out of the playoffs well, now they're the one seed, and, and so for being a failure last year, it's an overwhelming success this year, right? The whole thing last year, years and years of losing on purpose was considered a failure. One year later, all of those years have totally changed in whether or not it was a good idea or not, and now it's brilliant. So was it a success or not? It's a success, and and here's the thing. There will be years where it is a downturn. Last year was a downturn, but what the whole thing is about is getting yourself an MVP caliber player, getting yourself multiple star players, and being in the conversation where you legitimately have a chance at a title every single year for a couple of years, whether it's three years, five years, seven years, nine years, 15 years, if you're lucky enough. You want to put yourself in a situation to be able to win it all and do it in the best, strongest way that you can possibly do it, right? That's why, look around the NBA right now. Have you seen the Thunder's roster? Okay, like, the Thunder don't care. They don't care. They've lost games by, like, 50 points. And at the end of the day, they go, okay, well, yeah, I mean, we kind of saw that coming. We knew that was going to happen eventually. They don't care. They want to get a top five pick in the draft. They want to get a top three pick in the draft. Maybe they get number one. But they are trying to lose. The Detroit Pistons trying to lose at this point, right? Like once things started going south for them, you lose games. The Cavaliers, the Magic, the Timberwolves, you're totally good losing games. You want that top pick in the draft. 
So the philosophy makes sense. And it's not going to be determined by a year-in and year-out basis. They have Joel Embiid. He's an MVP caliber player. He'd been on the fringe of that for years. Now he's that kind of guy. The only reason he's not MVP, he hasn't played enough games. So if him and Jokic played the same amount of games, I'd bet you Embiid's your MVP. Better seed, better numbers, just more more dominating player. So that's the deal with the process as a whole. But Part of it is, and, and this is the thing that I think gets lost with tanking and why the Sixers story is so relevant to the conversation because the road has been really ugly for them. They've blown a bunch of picks. They've had horrible seasons. And that was with expectations, having horrible seasons. Because to win nine games when you're not trying to win, that's a success. <laughs> I believe the first year when they won maybe 17 games when they were doing the process, they, they they won nothing. They lost, like, every game. They had a league record, I think, 26 straight losses. I went to the game to actually hope they would get 27, and I was disappointed they won. <laughs> like, the owner at the end of the season called it a huge success when they had traded all of the relevant players and tried to lose. So there are different ways to look at, at bad seasons, but the whole thing about tanking, it's not just building up to win, but... It's being able to overcome mistakes. And for the Sixers, the amount of mistakes, and I mean big-time, catastrophic, franchise-defining mistakes that they've been able to overcome and still be good in a short amount of time is nothing short of remarkable. And that's what all of this is about. They drafted Jaleel Okafor. He was the number three pick in the draft. Three-player draft, he was three. They took Okafor, who was a center. They didn't need him. He flamed out. He wasn't any good there. They got rid of him shortly thereafter. Didn't hurt him. They overcame that. They were able to survive it. Markel Fultz, they traded up to draft that kid. He was awful. He forgot how to shoot. They had to get him out of town. He'd been in town for like two years. Gone. Number one pick? That's devastating to to miss out on a number three pick and a number one pick in a couple years time. Nerland's Noel they had taken, I believe, in the top four. Didn't work out for them. Got rid of them. They were okay. So many guys like that have come and gone. So many franchises would be crippled by that mistake. And they haven't been. They were able to get past it. Salary cap space thrown around in messy and bad situations. They went in on Al Horford last year. That was a joke. They got rid of him. The Thunder are paying him to stay home. Josh Richardson, they got rid of him. So Jimmy Butler, they traded. I mean, like they've survived so many devastating moments. They've had so many changes at general manager. Now they've changed over at head coach. And for them to make all of these changes and go through all of this adversity, whether it's injuries or blown draft picks or wasted cap space, whatever it was, I mean, just clown show stuff sometimes, like sideshow. They had a GM with a burner account ripping his own players, whether it was him or his wife, whatever. Like it was a bad, historically awful, embarrassing situation. And they lived through it, and they got through it. And now here they are as a legitimate number one seed in the East, as a team with a legitimate shot to go and win the finals this year. Nobody thought they had a chance a year ago. I didn't think they had a chance a year ago. And look at them now.
Part of that is Daryl Morey. Absolutely. Daryl Morey's one of the best GMs in basketball. He's one of the best GMs in any sport, period. And he made some moves, and they worked out great, right? He built a roster that around his stars, and now they're winning games. It's common sense. It's not really what the Sixers had before. So that's going to help. They got a legitimate coach in Doc Rivers. So replacing Brett Brown, upgrading the Doc Rivers, huge for them. And you can see the way the teams responded. So all of those things matter as well. But to see the number of times that they failed is really the biggest thing here. It's not the success in itself and the ways that they won and the picks that they hit. It's the picks that they didn't. It's the signings that were mistakes. It's the years where they lost and didn't get that kind of playoff experience you wanted or didn't grow as players the way you wanted to see them grow. Ben Simmons still doesn't shoot. Like, is that a failure on the process? Maybe. Maybe. But they've been able to overcome that and be a one seed. So to see where they've gone, that's the kind of thing, if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's why you lose. That's why you accumulate the number of picks that they've got. I mean, what pick don't the Thunder have? You know what I mean? Like, what pick don't they have? And why is it? Well, it's because they looked at the Sixers. They looked at them and saw, yeah, like, this is what we got to do. The, the Thunder, they saw what they had before. Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and how great those guys were together and what that run was like. And now it's all gone. They got to do it again. Small market team. You got to fight. You got to do it the best way you can. When you don't have the allure of if they ask Zion Williamson, hey, um, what do you think about being an Oklahoma City Thunder member in a couple years. He's not smiling the same way he did when they asked him if he wants to play for the Knicks, play in New York. So you got to fight against that advantage. Tanking is the thing that you have, and here with the Sixers, it's working. So anyway, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports Radio. If you want to get in, you can also hit me up on Twitter at It's Vince Quinn, and that's all one word, at It's Vince Quinn, when we come back, the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting really weird, really fast, and we're going to talk about it. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. So there is a completely astronomical price for the chance to see Tom Brady return to Tampa Bay. We're not return to Tampa Bay from Tampa Bay to New England, and I want to get to that in just a second. But we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. So. Naturally, Tom Brady is going to be a draw. I don't think I surprise anybody when I say this. He is a bit of a a big name and a big deal. So when you're looking at the schedule, and this is one of the things that I love schedule day. I do. I love when it comes out. I think it's so much fun. Like you learn so many different things when you get the chance to sit down and actually see when the games are being played and 
what the matchups look like. What, are they coming off a of buy? Are they not? Like, there's, there's a lot of different stuff. But one of the things that's also really exciting about it that really makes it great is just it is the personal level, right? It's, oh, I want to see this guy when he comes to town. I remember a couple of years ago really wanting to go to a Packers game because I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers. Hell yeah, I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers. You kidding me? Like, he was coming to Philly. I wanted to see that game. And I got to go. It was awesome. But it's also not just the home games, but the away games. So you might be somebody that wants to travel. And thinking about a certain game that pops up on the schedule, well, now you know when it is and when you can go. And you might not want to go. Like, for example, Bills fans, I love you. I love you. I think you're one of the best things that we have in sports. I think you're amazing. I would love to see a game up there in Orchard Park. I would kill for it. I think it'd be incredible. But if it's 10 degrees and five feet of snow, I ain't coming. I, <laughs> I'm just not coming up. I'll see you in September. I'll see you in October. I might see you in November. But if there was a game where the Eagles were playing the Bills in Buffalo and it's December, I'm just not going to that game. I'm, I will not be there. So scheduling matters, right? Like knowing you're going to, and also if you're trying to judge that game, if you're somebody that's playing the bills this year and say you're a warm weather team, like you're the dolphins or all those years, there was all this fuss about the Buccaneers and not being able to win when the temperature was below freezing. So you'd look at a game like that and go, well, yeah, we're playing the bills in December at Buffalo, or we're playing the bears in Chicago. And we're doing that in December. Like, that cold weather is going to change the dynamic a little bit. So looking at the schedule and how everything plays and what that means for your team and whether or not you want to go, there's so much that goes into all of that. And I love all of that. I really do. And one of the things that really, I mean, spoke to a lot of people and it makes all the sense in the world, Tom Brady going back to New England as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. First time he's going back. Doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Because the Buccaneers, well, for him, if he got a cut of the tickets for this, they'd be really worth it because, oh, my goodness. Have you seen how much these tickets are, Graceffo? I have. Yeah. So for those of you who have not seen this, if you want to get the cheapest ticket right now on StubHub to go and see the Patriots and the Buccaneers, doesn't cost much. You can dig in your couch and find this kind of money. Just $1,023. $1,023 was the cheapest ticket that I saw, and that was for the 300 level. Straight cash, homie. Yeah. So, good luck with that. Because I don't know what the regular price of a a Patriots game is, by the way. Because I would figure with Brady over the years, it's been really expensive. Maybe they dropped the price without him last year. Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Maybe. And so I can't imagine they were a thousand dollars, right? Like upper deck. I'll say this for Eagles games. They're in the ballpark of a hundred, hundred, 115, somewhere around there. Generally, if you've wanted to sit in the upper deck, that's what it would cost you. They got some standing room available as well, but $1,023 to go and see Tom Brady return to new England. That is crazy. I mean, that is big-time money. It's a regular. Yeah, regular. Well, for Bill, he can afford it. Yeah, so him, it's whatever. But Bill's not that excited about this, though, is he? 
No. Oh, Bill, no. Bill hates every question that will come out of every reporter's mouth for that whole week. He's going to be the most miserable man in the world that, like, he's not going to have the fire of, oh, man, I really need to stick it to Tom. He's just going to have it so, like, nobody asks him after the game, hey, did you regret not getting Tom? You know what I mean? Like, he wants to win the game so he can be left alone. We want to end on a high note. <laughs> yes, exactly. He wants to just not have any reporters bother him anymore. That's the goal. Because he doesn't want those questions. Hey, uh, you know, what'd you think? Was there anything in that game that playing against Tom and having for all those years? Is there anything that you think you should have been better prepared for? Or like, you know, <laughs> he's going to be so agitated. This dude's had some ornery Wednesday press conferences. Yeah. This one is going to be the most ornery Wednesday press conference ever. Because, like it, like, it has to be. Yeah, if you're a every reporter, you have be, to. Every question will be Brady. Every question. Nothing else matters. I no. mean, it's out of conference. No. So who cares? You're not going to go like, oh, the Bucks are doing well on third down. How do you think you you know you're going to stop them or you're going to limit them on third down? Uh, you're going to get none of that. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get oh, you know, Bill. You know, you had Antonio Brown in the building for a short while. How do you think he's acclimated to Tampa? You're going to get none of that. No. You're going to get none of that. It'll all just be like, yeah, Tom's fine. Bill, how do you feel about Rob coming out of retirement, lying to you, and then uh, and then go to the Bucks a year later? He's, he probably won't even get that either. Yeah, it seems like he's doing great there. Next. Yeah, like he's just, he, it's, it's not going to. I love it, though. Crotchety Belichick is the best Belichick. because it's Yeah, but it's only great when he loses by, like, 40. <laughs> Well, that answer week, no question. Before the week, it's going to feel like he's lost by forty because by because it's it's going to be okay. Let's say they play on Sunday that week, so then Monday the questions come in. Well, I mean, you should look up who's next on the schedule because he'll say we're on to blank. Well, yes. How many times? Oh, that's so. Yeah. Oh my God, that would be such a great prop bet. Oh man, how many times will he say <laughs> a billion? Um, yeah, because he's he's going to be so miserable. But maybe if he gets asked, this would be a good time. If you ever had a question, because when you get Belichick and you ask him a question that he's actually into, he goes on and on and but on about again, it. again, he's been asked every Brady question known to man. Like, like how is he going to expound the virtues of Tom Brady for the millionth time? Well, he won't, which is why you right. ask him about something else entirely. But he's going to be desperate for that question. You know what I mean? Because that allows him, if he gets any question that isn't about Brady and isn't about that game, but it's more like, oh, well, what do you think about the uh, development like the of your safety? the other 20 guys and... in the Zoom call are going to be like, really, you asked this question, you bum? Yeah, that's right. And, and that reporter will be like, hey, I got a story to write. Leave me alone. Back off. You know, and they'll start barking at each other. Okay, they won't do that. But And then, like, it just made the media session another eight minutes longer when it didn't have to be. Well, yeah, because for him, he gets to kill the time and fill his obligation, but he can go on for eight minutes about offensive guard play, you know? And, like, if he just gets that out of his system and you get that question that you've wanted to ask him out of the way, that's a great time to do it. Because, let's see, who do they have before they play the Bucks here? So they play the Bucks October 3rd. Primetime game, naturally. The NFL is very smart in that way. Um, they play the Saints the week before. Not exactly the same draw. The next week, oh, God. Okay, this is a tough one. After that game against the Bucks, they have the Texans. <laughs> oh, that'll be their get-right game. A full week of, yeah, we're we're just uh, we're on to the Texans. We're, we're preparing just, for Davis Mills. Yeah, we're, we're working hard on that Davis Mills defense. We really got to shut this guy down. Oh, my God. Yeah, good luck with that. It's going to be all Brady for two weeks. But that will be. Like, if, if they lose the Buck game, I mean, the Texans, could you have a softer landing? 
No. <laughs> if you're them? You can't. I mean, that is the best possible, easiest game in the league. There's nobody else that's close to that, right? I can't think of anybody remotely close to that. Nah, maybe Detroit. I kind of sort of buy Detroit right now. Not, not buy in terms of, like, I think they're going to win a Super Bowl or even the division. Can Detroit win, like, six games with Dan Campbell? They'll throw Dan Campbell a party in the street. Yeah, I mean, five games? Like, I don't I don't know if the Lions are going to be, like, a two-win team. I'm going to give Dan, because Dan Campbell, as much as it looks like, because the kneecap thing was funny as hell. I mean, that was just hilarious, and you got to laugh at it in the moment, and, like, certainly I was poking a lot of fun at that, but guys like that can be a good football coach. So I don't know what he is as a coach yet, and if he is coming in, and everything I've read about the Detroit draft was, like, they got all these nasty physical guys, and they're trying to set a tone. And so if they're a team that's like, yeah, nobody believes in us at all and we're just going to take it to them and we are going to be biting kneecaps off and all that stuff, like they could win a few games. They could punch a team in the mouth or two. They could beat the Vikings in a game. They could split with them. They could split with the Bears, you know? So Detroit is probably bad, but the Texans are the only, because even the Jets, I don't think the Jets are like, I don't think the Jets are good. But I don't think the Jets are a cakewalk either. Now, you are the Jets guy, so I would love to know your take on that. But yeah, I mean, I would hope they won't be. Like, it's not, for all the things they've done, it won't be, it shouldn't be that hard to be competitive in every game. And, you know, for all the energy that Rob Sala has with guys in shorts on the field in <laughs> May, you know, I would hope they're able to be competitive in every game. Because Rob Sala gets a lot of bouquets. He's getting a lot of bouquets. Oh, yeah? Right now. So, from yelling, so he's just blowing the whistle and like, yeah, you keep practicing hard in those rookie mini camps. Like, is that, so he's well, the he's darling getting, of the town get, for that? He's getting a lot of passing grades from everybody. everybody okay. You know, you know, everybody loves playing for him. Which everybody loves playing <laughs> for him in San Francisco. But does that even mean anything at this point? Like, no, it's so it new. Means nothing means anything no. now. Like, the number of times where I've met somebody and I've been like, oh, this person seems all right. And then, like, I, it's two times later that I've met this person I'm now. I'm give you a big heads up. Yeah. In May, in this sport, nothing means anything. <laughs> nothing. Nothing means anything. Well, unless you're Jawan James. Unless, and- right. Or unless you're Tim Tebow and you're getting a job after being unemployed for seven years. Okay. Can we, because I want to get to the Jags for a lot of reasons. Let's hit the Tebow thing. They still haven't signed him yet, officially. But we know they're signing him. We know they're signing But why haven't they? It doesn't, like, why haven't they signed him? You worked him out. You knew what the deal was. You announced to everybody, because it's already out that they're going to sign him, but they still haven't signed him. So something else is going on with Tebow before they go and make the transaction official, which is just, it's it's weird, and it adds another layer to this that you don't need. Tebow, people got irrationally crazy well, about Tebow. The whole thing Tebow. is unneeded. <laughs> this, no, one, no one needs a 33-year-old quarterback who couldn't play converting to tight end. And they've never played the position in seven years. so Or they've never played, played the position in their life, and they've sat out for seven years. So nobody needs it. Like, Well, nobody no, needs no it. No NFL team, no other NFL team made a phone call to Tim to see if he could play tight end. Like, I would bet you everything in my bank account. Yeah, and that's, that's a big part of the equation, by the way. I think that really matters because I've seen people try to compare Tebow to Kaepernick. They're totally different. Nobody's calling Tim Tebow 
The only guy that's doing it is his former college coach doing him a solid. Maybe he's trying to set the tone and he knows Tim from the locker room and like Tim stinks, but hey man, he's going to work hard and like the guys will see him as a role model and that's what you want in the building. But it is only he is the only guy on the planet that is calling Tim Tebow. It's his own Just coach. Just like Jim Harbaugh would be the only guy to call Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, like that's the at for, this point for Kaepernick. It's it's just a different situation. There's just too many things that are different between them. Is although I get the idea of you know oh, Kaepernick hasn't played in a while and well, that was part of the argument. Fruit. Yeah, it's I, the I, lowest of the low hanging fruit. You're simplifying it to too say much. that like this person got an opportunity while this person didn't. Yeah, and it's you know it's a very black and white view of it. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because. You know, it, it got out of control this week with T. I mean, seriously, it just the way it spiraled out of control, where it should really just be like, all right, is Tebow going to actually do anything? Why do they actually want him there? Will not make the team. Probably, like, and, no, and that's the thing too. No Does he have any shot to really make the team? His only shot is Urban Meyer, and they just they flaunt it in someone's face that they're taking him. Well, the only thing I can think of that really makes sense to keep him is if he makes them that much money. Let's be real. Like, he is the most selling third tight end in the history of football. You're really... Yes! I understand. I understand. But still, like, it's the biggest meritocracy in sports, right? It's supposed to be. It re- It should be, and it, most times it is. But a lot of times it isn't. I mean, how many brothers get a workout or cousins get a workout? That's a and like, workout. Okay. This, but, is an, this is a one of 53 roster spot. Well, it's a one in 90 roster spot for now. For so now. If he makes the regular team. But we're really talking about one in 53. If he makes that team, then it's then it becomes a little bit more of a conversation. Then and it's we'll a joke, be, well, we'll, which it's already a joke well, now. Well, we have to see what he looks like in camp. I agree it's probably going I to be a joke. I guarantee you he cannot play tight end. I bet he can't either, but... I don't know for a fact until I see it. So if I know for a fact I'm he go can't on a limb play, and say he can't. Okay, well let's say he can't. Right? You go through camp, he can't play, he's awful, and then he still makes the fifty-three. Now it's a different conversation, and there's a lot of things right, to talk and about. It's the, and it's you know whatever you would call nepotism when it's not your family member. Yeah, and that's what it would be. But now, when you're looking at it, part of the equation is if I'm an owner and I see that I can get Tim Tebow in Florida playing for my team, it costs me not trying out a different guy as a third-string tight end, I can put that guy on my calendar. I can put posters of that guy in the stadium. Again, I can sell his but this jersey. this is why they're the biggest joke in professional sports, this franchise. Like, they really are. Like, they have a dirty pool where people hang out in in the stadium. Like, okay, good luck with that now, nowadays. Like, they're the biggest joke in professional sports, this team. Well, they have been they, for a long they, time, they and now the they're on a weird worst path. record in the NFL, since Shotcod bought the team, they have the worst record in the league. And it's not even close. It's by leaps and bounds they are the worst team in the league. They're talking about moving to London every other day. They're the biggest... And, like, it just solid, and like All this now just solidifies it. That they are the biggest joke in professional sports. Well, that's the thing that's so strange about all of this is they had an opportunity with Urban Meyer, all the salary cap space, Trevor Lawrence. It felt like they were going to be turning a corner. Like all of the goodwill that you got from, let's be honest, tanking, yeah, going out and trying to lose every week, which nobody talked about. But you know, when some other teams did it and you know lost valiantly, uh, it was <laughs> like oh, the Jets. oh, what a ter- what a terrible black eye for the league. How how the Jets are losing every week on purpose. When, in fact, the Jets were not losing every week on purpose. But when Jacksonville did it, it was fine. Nobody cared. So, 
for all the goodwill you built up by losing on purpose and drafting Trevor Lawrence, nobody's talked about Trevor Lawrence now for two weeks. No. Because everything is Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow. And how much of a joke is that? Yeah. And it's also Travis Etienne now. And that's one of the things I want to get to as well. But we'll do that in a couple of minutes. Because, again, there's so many weird things with Jacksonville. I just didn't expect it to go this way so early. I thought with Urban Meyer, you're going to be learning stuff. But the way it's going is just, it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. So, we'll talk about it. 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. We've also been talking a little bit about the NBA. I saw LeBron. He he came back. He looked amazing. And now I just feel like the West is the Lakers again. It took one game. That's all it took for me. And it all just, just went up in smoke. So, 855-212-4227. If you want to get in, let's do the update on Watson and another angle of just how weird the Jacksonville Jaguars are. That's all next. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. It's funny that we've played that enough times where I'm not like, what is this nonsense? It's just like, oh yeah, this is part of my life now. I'll tumble for you. It's just like, yeah, this is just the soundtrack of my life these days. <laughs> This is what we do. This is how the morning show operates. To this song outside of this show. I have not listened to it outside of the show because I still forget who sings it. I always, I always ask you about it when it comes up, and then I always forget. I do too, even though I, I love. You this don't song. even know whose song this is. How do you not know? What does it say in the system? Because you're playing it off the computer. No, I'm not. I'm playing it in the, out of the folder. You're actually singing this song. You're performing it live. No, so wait, what? you have no idea what it's called? It's called Tumble For You. Okay. I don't know off the top of my head who sings it. All right, well, let's let's look up t- I'll Tumble For You. There's a playlist that says I'll Tumble For You. 80s favorites, countdown singers? Does that ring a bell? Huh. All right. Well, now you gotta you gotta find that out for me. Now we gotta we're playing the damn song on the show. We should know this. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I know pretty much every other song in the folder. <laughs> who sings? And it. I know half because like I put a lot of stuff in there, but I have no idea. What this was this was James Graceffo production. I have no clue. And I'm good with I'm good with '90s obscure songs like '90s early 2000s. I've got a lock on that man. Like that was Culture that was Club. my thing. Culture Club. There you go. And we are Boy Uncultured George, Club. You know. What's that? Boy George. Uh, okay. See, I almost said George Michael, but I didn't think that was right. There was a, So, A. George. Um, one of the Georges. Boy George. Yes. Boy, and when he was young, he was Boy George Michael. But anyway, that's a, <laughs> that's a dumb joke. Two different people. I know. Uh, so, anyway. Looking at some of the... One of the things I've liked to do here with... The NFL is, like, the Deshaun Watson story is huge, right? It's just, he's one of the biggest names in football. He's got a bunch of cases against him. And when does he play again? Does he play again? How serious are the negotiations between him and the opposing law firm? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. So, the negotiation stuff has really taken the stage this week in a very dumb, stupid, PR-related kind of way. Like, it is... Ridiculous. Here's what's happened in the Deshaun Watson scenario is basically there's a lot of public arguing between Watson's people and the guy representing all of the women accusing Watson of who started settlement negotiations. 
that was the whole big thing. And it was like, oh, no, Watson's team started negotiations on a settlement. They're like, no, we didn't start it. He did. And then they released some audio to a reporter. Like, it's just, it's such a stupid thing. Um, because ultimately, who cares? It doesn't matter who starts it as long as you get the deal done. Like, what? get the deal done. What does it look like? It's not going to sway public opinion either way. Oh, my God. Well, they started the negotiation, so clearly this – like, no, we don't – we're not getting that kind of takery on the Deshaun Watson case. So I don't know what they're thinking there, but they've decided, yeah, let's start yelling and screaming about who started settlements. Yeah, that'll do the trick. Great work, guys. Other development with the Watson case, and this was – more towards how the NFL investigation is going, which was so a lawyer that represents the lawyer that represents all the women in the case was coming out and saying that basically the NFL's chief investigator was very harsh towards the women, which I believe it's a woman doing the investigation from the NFL side, but also they're looking out for the player, right? Like on their side of things here. Deshaun Watson is a face of the NFL. They want this to be as painless as possible. They want this to be as smooth and clean and ultimately innocent as possible. That's what they want. So, yes, they're going to dig. They're going to be aggressive about this. They're going to make sure that all the complaints are as legitimate and obvious and real as they can be. They want to know what they're dealing with. So, yes, they're not going to be the friendliest people in the world. Is that unfortunate? Yes. But also, this is a multi-billion dollar corporation looking into a, what, $250 million man? So, it's not going to be exactly touchy. You know, well, it's not going to be exactly the most, uh, you know, warm-hearted approach to all of this. So, anyway, th- that's where everything is now with the league, with the Watson case, and we'll see where it all develops. But I like to keep you updated on that. It's just too big a situation. Now, Today on CBS, the PGA Tour is in Texas with a fantastic field competing at the Byron Nelson Championship. Live coverage begins at 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, today on CBS. A little bit of takery came out of the NBA Hall of Fame enshrinement. I did not expect to see this, but Rudy Tomjanovich, who did coach the Lakers for a time, as he was getting inducted, made a case for Big Shot Rob. Yes, he's advocated Robert Horry goes into the Hall of Fame. The argument, and this is a classic sports argument, rings, baby! He's got the rings. He's got the rings. He's Frodo. He's got the ring. Uh, He's got seven of them. So seven rings for Robert Horry is the argument. Now, Is he good enough? (laughs) I think that's a pretty important question. The answer is no. Um, Amazing career. Great for him. I mean, seven rings is incredible. There are few people in the history of sports that have seven rings. Does that mean Robert Horry is a Hall of Famer? No. No, he's not. Look at all of these other guys on all of these other great franchises that... The career totals, you know, being labeled as a top five player in the league, a top 10 player in the league, the best scorer in the league, whatever it might be, like so many different distinctions that a player can have over the course of an NBA season. Robert Ory, he averages like nine points a game at his peak for half of his career. He's averaging like seven. I mean, it's 
he doesn't start the overwhelming majority of his career. Like, he is almost always a bench guy. It's just, no, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's good for him to be a, a big-time contributor on all those different teams, but for Rudy Tomjanovic to just throw it out there that, like, hey, by the way, I'm getting inducted. Robert Orr should be in, too. I mean, you can do that. It's going to bat for your guy, but there's no way. There's you just gotta no way. Yeah, it's not happening. Now, I want to The get, guy is drunk! <laughs> I wouldn't say that. But maybe after the speech, I mean, I would be after the speech. I'll the say, guy I, is drunk! I would want to get through the... I will never get into any Hall of Fame. But if I did, maybe I could get into, like, my elementary school's Hall of Fame. Like, they'll put a plaque... Oh, wait, no, my... I, I forgot. My, my grade school is closed permanently. Um, great. So, yeah, I don't have that. That's not happening. My high school isn't putting me on any Hall of Fame. I don't think that's happening either. Hey, vodka. Yeah. I'll have my own Hall of Fame ceremony for a fake award that I make up, and then I'll drink straight vodka. Hey, vodka. There we go. So, that's all it takes. Um, Albert Pujols is back. Two weeks ago, I think it was. A week and a half ago. I don't know. Time is a blur. It's a flat circle. Uh, Whatever you want to call it. I, I look at time... And it's a blur these days. But Albert Pujols, I thought he was done. I thought he was done. When the Angels let him go at his age or ages, um, you, you, <laughs> you look at Albert, allegedly, um, with that situation, you look at his numbers, you think he's done. You would rule out the NL because, you know, they don't have a DH. Well, oddly enough, Albert Pujols is a Dodger, so he's in the National League. Albert Pujols is in the National League. couple of things here. One, how? How is he in the National League? Like, what did they forget? Did the Dodgers think there was a DH? Are they thinking, like, maybe we could, if we just campaign the league, if we, if we go to the league and we go, look, we signed Albert, can we get a DH? And maybe Rob Manfred will say yes. Who knows? Um, no, that, that was not the case. Okay, well... Max Muncy, who plays first base for the Dodgers, they can move him around. Second base, third base, they're comfortable doing that. So, now you have some flexibility. You get Albert Pujols, he's a bench bat in the lineup. Once in a while, if you need a guy to hit a home run in the eighth inning, now you can send Pujols to the plate. You can move him to first base if you need to. If Muncy needs to take a day off, or if somebody else in the lineup, second base, third base, needs to take a day off, well, now Pujols can step in at first. He wanted time at first base. Now he has the chance to get it. So that makes sense for the Dodgers. I mean, what do you invest? Nothing. I mean, he costs you nothing. You're going to pay him like $420,000. Oh, my God. How could the Dodgers possibly afford that risk? Yeah, they'll be fine. So you pay him nothing. You take a shot on him. You see what he looks like in the building. Maybe your coach can make some kind of adjustment to get a little bit more out of him if they can't. You promote somebody right back up, and you live your life. There's just there's no real downside here for them. It's early enough in the season that you can make this risk, and if it doesn't work out, you need to trade for somebody, you can do it. So good on them. Good on them for making this kind of bet. And the other thing is, for Pujols, this works out as well as you could possibly ask for. The Dodgers are better than the Angels, right? I mean, they're significantly better than the Angels. And also, they're still in the same area. I mean, you can drive your car 
from wherever you're living as Albert Pujols and get over to the Dodgers. Maybe it's closer. Like, who knows? I mean, it's like 30 miles is the difference between those two stadiums. Something like that is what I was reading earlier today. So you can figure it out. That's a that's a very short commute. Well, it's L.A. It's, it's going to be five hours to get anywhere. But you're at least still in the same town. You don't have to move. You don't have to pack up all your stuff and go to another city. Like Cleveland was thrown around for an example. That made a lot of sense. He'd get a good bit of playing time there potentially if they wanted him. Well, if he had to go to Cleveland, I mean, he's either leaving his family behind and just like renting out a bachelor pad for a couple of months, or he's moving to Cleveland in the middle of a season, which has to be awful. I mean, just totally miserable to do. So he doesn't have to do that. Staying home is a great appeal, right? So benefit to him. And then the other thing is he has a chance to win another World Series here. So to get this opportunity to go and jump on the Dodgers? Yes. Like, does he want a lot of playing time? Yes, he does. That is part of the reason why the Angels said they let him go. Because he wants to play. They couldn't really justify playing him. Otani's their DH. They didn't want to play him at first base anymore. It is what it is. So they were like, look, thanks for everything. It's time to move on. But if he could play a little bit of first base and he can come in as a bench bat, so he's getting some use as a player, and he can win another World Series? I mean, are you kidding me? That's a great deal for Pools for a guy who is about to be out of the league. And this isn't your typical... Like, in the NBA, that happens all the time, right? Like, older guys, they get bought out. They join a title contender. We saw it this year. I mean, Blake Griffin got bought out. He goes to the Nets. LaMarcus Aldridge, he got bought out. And obviously, he had the heart condition and had to retire, which is really unfortunate. But he went to the Nets. Like, he was ready to go and ring chase with the rest of them. That's just how the NBA works. It's not exactly like that in baseball. But here you go. You got a shot to get one of the best hitters and best players that's ever lived, and you can add that guy to the clubhouse. So what a scenario. I just, I didn't expect it at all, but the more you think about it, the more sense it makes. So good for the Dodgers. Good for them to think outside the box a little bit and go, you know, is this the obvious thing to do? Not necessarily, but if we can get something here and it's a no-risk scenario, then let's bring him in. And the fact that he didn't have to move was probably an advantage. I mean, if you've got multiple teams that are interested in Pujols and one of them, you don't have to move. I mean, again, the Dodgers are amazing, but everything just lines up and it seems to make sense for both parties. And for Pujols, who's a legend, I mean, just bona fide, like era defining legend of baseball. It's good for the league. It's good for him that they get another stretch here. They get a nice little story here and we'll see how far it goes. But If you want to get in, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. I'm Vince Quinn with you, by the way, here on CBS Sports Radio. So 855-212-4227. You can also join the show on Twitter, and you could do that at It's Vince Quinn. So that's all one word. It's Vince Quinn, Twitter, Instagram. That's how you can find me. When we come back, as the NBA season wraps up, let's talk about awards and contracts. That's next. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. All right. 
listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, and we are selling trash bags of gasoline. All you have to do is DM me, and I will send you a trash bag full of gasoline through the mail. What can go wrong? (laughs) I was literally at a gas station like two days ago, and I could hear the woman in front of me going, yeah, you know, I was filling up my container, and it got a hole in it. It was like, you people, the number of people who went out of their way to cultivate gas, which they have no idea, any clue whatsoever of what to do with it. You know, are just going to start walking around and, and walking down the street going, hey, who needs gas? Anybody gas? Who wants Like That is absurd. Yes, it's absurd. Like, if you're somebody that actually has the use for the gas and knows gas and understands how to store it, great. But when you're just some schmuck walking up to a gas pump and being like, yeah, let me fill this plastic bin. What could go wrong? Oh, everything. How about uh, the thing rots and the gas comes through and now you've just got a trunk of your car completely soaked in gasoline. You know, if you want to invest in commodities of any kind, go ahead. Um, Trading cards, beaning babies, uh, any kind of sports memorabilia, like anything that you think that is a physical thing that you can buy, hold on to, and sell, for the most part, go for it. Live your life. Um, those Funko Pop dolls that like everybody's into, whatever you want to get into, for the most part, good with me. Don't mess with something you don't understand. <laughs> it's just, it's completely insane to see the way people, I, even when I was coming in earlier today, I saw somebody at the pump, and I think the pipeline's good at this point. I, I'd have to double check that, but um, I saw somebody with like five gas cans. At least they had gas cans, but there was like five of them, and they were sitting there at the pump, and there, here's somebody else filling up their gas. All right, let's fill it. Here's tank number one, number two, number three, just going down the line. <laughs> good luck. Good luck with that. Anyway, uh, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life. Rocket can. And uh, we are not actually selling gas, so leave me alone. Do not go through my DMs. But let's talk about the... Other side of the Jacksonville Jaguars equation, real quick, because they went with Travis Etienne, they draft this guy in the first round, now they're playing him exclusively at running back. For Jacksonville, or at wide receiver, for Jacksonville, it looks bad. It is a bad look. You didn't need a running back in the first place, okay? Didn't need him. No need. You're a bad team. You're a rebuilding team. You don't need running backs. You don't need them in the first round. You don't need them when you have James Robinson, who is good, who is very good, who was a rookie last year, and you got as an undrafted rookie free agent. You just don't need a running back. Don't do it. But they went and did it anyway. Now they want to have him play a lot of wide receiver in camp and be a hybrid. For Jacksonville, who admitted they wanted a wide receiver, then lost out on that wide receiver, they named the guy. It was Kadarius Tony who was taken by the Giants. So now they go and draft a running back. They panic and get him. And now they're changing up his role once they got him. Because when they drafted him, it was like, hey, uh, Urban, you got a bunch of running backs already. Why did you do this? He's like, yeah, maybe he'll be a third down guy for us, which is not exactly encouraging for a first-round pick. So now they're playing him a lot at wide receiver and they want him to not just be a running back that catches passes. They want him to be a wide receiver as well. 
And given the circumstances of everything going into it, it does look bad and feel bad. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But I see what they're doing. You know, like, there are enough teams that should take this kind of risk. You shouldn't do it with first-round picks, like, ever. But when you've got somebody that you think is talented enough that they could work at multiple positions, or they have a lot of raw talent and you're not sure what position they fit into. Try them at different spots. Absolutely. Versatility is great, right? Like Kyle Pitts, that's part of his value. You drafted him at four. He's an elite tight end. Like right now, if you're going to ask anybody, go to your fantasy draft, pre-mock, whatever. Like Kyle Pitts is going to be towards the top. So to have a guy of that kind of talent, who can play outside as well already, he's got that versatility and he's proven it, and you can draft him in the top five and understand that he's going to bring that to the table and do it professionally. But otherwise, yeah, you got a guy that's fast. Maybe he was a good running back, but uh, he's just not that elite level of whatever you're looking for in your system. Then... Yeah, you want to try him at wide receiver and see if he can change positions, great. Like, the New York Giants right now, they have an interesting guy trying out at tight end. It's Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. Kelvin Benjamin, who was a wide receiver for a while and played in Carolina primarily, had at least one year where he was really good down there. I believe he had 1,000-yard year at least. But had some issues... Um, just, you know, part of it was weight. There was a lot of things around him. He just wasn't productive for a number of years. He was out of the league. Well, now he's come back. He's a tight end. Makes sense. I mean, big bodied wide receiver puts on some weight. Now he's moving out the tight end. What that weight is right now, whether that's muscle or fat, I don't know, but he's trying out a tight end. Okay. He's had ability. Now you're changing his position a little bit and you see what you get out of him. You didn't draft Kelvin Benjamin. He's coming out of nowhere. He's at least been a wide receiver in football, so it's not exactly the Tebow argument either. You know, so it makes a lot of sense there. But when you see with ETN, it's one of those things where you raise your eyebrow a little bit and go, like, this doesn't feel right at all. So we'll see. But I get the practice. I don't like the situation. Now, 855-212-4227. That's how you can join the show. 855 212 4227. Do you think this makes sense with ETN? Do you like cross training guys like that? The NFL seems to be going that way. The NBA has gone that way. You know, positionless basketball. And I want to get to in a minute how positionless play affects all NBA voting and how that also affects contracts. But first, let's go to Allen in Toronto. Allen, what's going on? I heard your comment about uh, Albert Pujols. Everything you say seems to be making sense, but you're either avoiding the issue or ignoring the issue. The issue is he's old, he's washed up, and sitting on yeah. the bench, he's going to get out of sitting on the bench. He's going to get out of shape. No team should keep a player his age sitting on the bench. Now, let's say there's a key situation. Well, why not? Well, hold on now, because I, I I have a question about the idea that he can't be. In, I mean, being on a baseball field, even when you're an active player every day. You're not exactly the most active out there. So it's not like he's going to get such a workout from being on the field and he's not going to get that at all anymore and he can't play. Like, he's been a DH for a long time. So if he's sitting on the bench, the only difference is whether or not he's going to the plate or not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not worried about shape with Pujols at all. 
But in a key situation, let's say they're in the eighth or ninth inning and you're trailing by one run and you have the, either the bases loaded or the man on first and second, and you're you're going to want to have a good hitter coming to the plate. Are you going to want to put him at the plate? I'm not going to want to. I'm going to say I don't trust him because he's uh, – look at his scouting report. He's uh, he, he's washed up, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to want to put him out on the field in a key situation like that. All right, they're adding to the, the depth, you know, so – there is a few injuries. Corey Seager's out for the year. Edwin Rios, uh, he's uh, he's going to be gone for a, a few weeks. But uh, you know they're adding to the depth. But that's that's uh, that's not the kind of depth you want. Well, it's man, uh, it's low risk depth though. That's that's the thing, Alan. I appreciate it. But like, it, Pujols doesn't cost them anything. It's a minimum deal. Basically, the Angels are paying them everything anyway. So it's not like you picked up that contract. You're just paying them a couple of bucks. He shows up. You see if he can hit and rebound a little bit. Right now, I believe he's batting 198. So not exactly thrilling, but in the small amount of bats that he has, he has a couple of home runs. So that's what you're looking for. That's what you're taking a shot on. Is a guy that can change the dynamic of the game when you need runs late. Now he can pop in and give you something. If he can't, the Dodgers give him a run. They say, we tried, and they let him go. But... It's not a situation where you walk away from it and have all this serious regret of, oh, my God, I can't believe we went in on Albert Pujols. This ruins the franchise. You know what I mean? It ruins our shot this year. You get rid of him. You promote somebody. You trade for somebody at the deadline. You got all the options available to you. So good for Pujols, good for the Dodgers. You just see if it actually works. Right now, I'm skeptical for what it's worth. I don't expect Pujols to work out there, but I can't blame him for trying. What else are you going to do right now? So... 855-212-4227. That's how you get in. Let's talk about All-NBA because All-NBA is a very important thing. And you might think it's just an award and, you know, whatever. Um, A lot of times, Hall of Fame cases are made on awards, right? All-NBA is going to matter. That's going to be a big part of the conversation. Were you considered one of the top 5, 10, 15 players in the NBA for that season. Did you get the distinction or did you not? Were you an all-star or were you not? Because when we rattle off the cases, and when you do that right now, right? I mean, the Hall of Fame inductions just happened for the NBA. Within the past 24 hours, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, uh, and a whole lot of people, men's basketball, women's basketball, a lot of people just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. But, for example, let's go through Kevin Garnett. I'm going to pull him up right now. Kevin Garnett, if I'm going to give you the credentials, 15-time All-Star, 12-time All-Defensive Team, 9-time All-NBA, couple of MVPs, uh, or an MVP, All-Star MVP, like you run through all these different awards. So that's all that the All-NBA might be to you, and I get that. All-NBA, what you need to understand is that means a lot to players. I mean, awards, All-Defensive Team, those things matter a lot to players because it affects the kind of contract that you can get. So the Supermax, which is the top money that you can make as a player, part of that of whether or not you qualify is going to be based on awards. So if you don't make all NBA, well, then you might not get a Supermax deal, which in a lot of sports doesn't matter all that much. If you look at the NFL, for example, and you sign a contract and it says, okay, If I make it to the Pro Bowl, which means less and less every year, but if I make it to the Pro Bowl, I get a bonus of a million dollars. Fine. But you can sign the contract for whatever you want. You know, you could sign a contract for $8 million. You could sign it for $17 million. You could sign it for $45 million. But 
that other money from the Pro Bowl, if that's written into the contract, it's a bonus. It doesn't define what you make. But for the NBA, you're in a league that defines what you make, right? That's why the Warriors existed. That's why the Heat, the way they did before, or uh, the Cavaliers, like whatever LeBron's done over the past couple of years, a lot of it, all these super teams, it's based on fitting those contracts into the salary cap because it's a defined number. You can only make so much. You can't overpay a superstar. If anything, they're all underpaid. But when you have that in place, and now it's affected as a player whether or not you get that all-NBA vote, whether you can get that top-of-the-line kind of deal, that's a big issue. And is it fair? Is that the right way for the NBA to operate that those kinds of awards affect your salary? That's one of the things that I think about. Because, like, all NBA voting right now is in a very weird place. If you talk to most people about basketball, it doesn't matter what position you play. Now, we still use the numbers a little bit, right? It's I mean, one, two, three, four, and five, they mean something still, but they don't mean exactly what they used to. If you're going to do all NBA voting right now, this is what the actual voters, of all the NBA writers around the league, they all have the opportunity to vote on guys like Luka Doncic, and whether or not he's a guard or a forward, that's an option. Uh, Joel Embiid, who is a seven-footer and I swear to God has never played any forward in his life. But for whatever reason, you can vote for Joel Embiid as a forward for all NBA. So you can do that and it leads to positionless basketball, but they still have to vote two guards, two forwards, and a center. So... It's a little weird, isn't it? Like, you can see the disconnect of wanting to allow different people in, having a first-team All-NBA. Like, first-team All-NBA is very strange because Jokic, if you're going to name the top five players in the NBA this year, Jokic is one of them, Embiid is one of them. Odds are they both won't be first-team NBA because they're both centers. You can vote for Embiid as a forward, but, like, are you really going to vote for Embiid as a forward? Does that make sense to anybody? Is that fair to anybody that's a forward? Like, no. So it's a very strange setup with all of this, but these voters now have to make decisions based on the idea of, all right, well, if I include Embiid as a forward, then when I'm looking at my third team All-NBA, I might leave off a certain player, and now he's not going to get a max deal. Or, like, it's just, it's very confusing and strange and weird, and it's a uniquely NBA problem. Because, again, it can define that super max versus just the regular contracts of baseball and football. You know, so... It's a weird thing going on right now as we hit the end of the season, and we'll see how all that plays out because it does lead to these Hall of Fame careers as well and whether guys get in or they don't. So if you want to talk about it, whether you think it's a good system, whether you support it, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Let me 
You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Song goes from Zach Wilson out to his mother. It's hard enough for this guy. Like, can you imagine being Zach Wilson? You're going to the Jets. They draft another quarterback because the last guy they got, you know, they didn't give him anything, and his rookie contract is up, more or less. So they're like, yeah, let's move on from him and get another rookie on a rookie deal and try this all over again for the 50th time. Like, when is the last time the Jets were like, you know, we're totally set. Chad Pennington for like two years, and then his arm fell off again? I mean, the Jets haven't had an actual quarterback I mean, honestly, I'm trying to think in my lifetime, like Vinny Testaverde, I guess. Um, anybody else? Like Mark Sanchez doesn't really count. They were a ball control team. He, he, he got was, an extension though, Vince. He was. Oh, okay. How did that go? Well, I mean, if the if the line, if the bar is guy gets extension. Yeah, I guess. What was his extension though? I mean, he was not there that much longer, right? How many years was he a Jet? Six. Wow. That's a long time for him to be a Jet. Man. Wow. Really? Because they went, what, AFC Championship game first two years? 2013. Oh, man. I got to look this up now. I'm like, well, I can't look it up on basketball reference. Uh, (laughs) But I was looking at Kevin Garnett before. Um, Let's see. Mark Sanchez. Because I got to know this. I mean, he played for a long time. He bounced around for a couple of different teams. No, so one, two, three, five seasons as a Jet. All right, so I was off by one. So he got he basically got through his rookie deal, and that was pretty much it. But does it count the time? Does it count the year where he separated his shoulder? Ooh, uh, he was technically on the team. Yeah, yeah, it would count. That would count. Okay. So yeah, he's only got stats for oh, because he missed twenty thirteen. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, so six years as a Jet. There That's a go. long time. Anyway, uh, where was I going with this? Zach Wilson. Yeah. So they haven't had a quarterback. Let me. Oh, now I want to go through the franchise encyclopedia. I'm not going to waste all my time on this, but uh, they haven't had a quarterback for a long time. That's all I'm trying to get at. They, every quarterback, unfortunately, comes in and suddenly they're all Broadway blank because they just need to replicate Joe Namath that bad. Every quarterback. Oh, here comes Broadway Sam. Now it's Broadway Zach. Broadway Tim Tebow a couple of years ago. Okay, maybe not. But they've needed a quarterback in the worst way. Now you draft Zach Wilson. He's a number two pick in the draft. They got offered a lot of picks to trade down with Philly and give up Zach Wilson. They said no. So you didn't take the picks. You went in on the kid. You got questions. People are skeptical always anyway. And it's New York City. Like, it is not exactly... Oh, let's be as sweet and kind to this guy as possible. There, there's going to be, there's so much coverage that there will be some people that are looking for something and, you know, they'll stir the pot a little bit. So you have to worry. You have to worry about your reputation and the coverage on some level if you're Zach Wilson. Like the pressure around you is incredibly great. If you're Trevor Lawrence and you're in Jacksonville, like go to the beach. Have a good time. Relax. Like, what are you worried about? You know, it's the coverage is not the same. The expectation is not the same. The pressure is not the same. It's just not. So great for Lawrence. But Zach Wilson, you have a hard job on a bad team that's trying to turn things around. You're the face of it. Can you do it? 
well, that's a big-time problem, and you're going to work hard at that, and hopefully you figure it out. But it doesn't help when mom comes out of the woodwork and is posting Instagram stories that will say they're political. Um, Big-breasted women. Well, no comment on that matter. I have not examined uh, Zach Wilson's mom to that degree. So I don't know. I have seen tweets that are just guys drooling. So true take from that. Yeah, I the, the true the tweets are a true story. I don't know. You know, I'm not I'm not going to rate the woman right now. It's not exactly what I'm here to do. But big-breasted women. <laughs> so here's the thing. She comes out with a controversial post on Instagram. I don't feel like digging into the details of it because I enjoy my job here and I don't want to get bogged down by boring politics. So she posts a controversial video that puts him on the spot. And the problem is that with social media, it gives you so many valuable things, right? You can instantly, like I talked about this when the draft first happened right after the draft, guys are tweeting out like, here's me in a Cincinnati Bengals uniform. And then Bengals fans are going to be like, Oh my God, I love this guy. Let me follow him. Let me retweet him. And like your, your follower count can go up by tens of thousands in a day. What does that do for you as you look for different sponsorships? What does that look for you if you want to have your own clothing line and sell your own shirts? That could do a lot, right? That's a game changer. Just getting drafted in and of itself. Social media gives you that power where it didn't before. You would get articles written about you. Somebody might call you for an interview. You know, you might get asked to, say, hop on a certain morning show on CBS Sports Radio and then... Politely, yeah, and then decline the interview. But, you know, that's publicity that you used to get at the highest degrees. Now, you can just be like, hey, yeah, I just got drafted. Uh, here's my book. Buy it on social media. Like, here's the link. And so that's a powerful thing. But also, it does give the opportunity for family members to become far more involved in the operation as well. And that's the trade-off. You know, you see it with players in old tweets on draft day. But now for Zach Wilson to be in New York, to have this status and expectation as a number two pick in the draft versus, you know, uh, Justin Fields, who played at a big program, was a well-known prospect for a long time. Trey Lance, who the 49ers went and got at three. He's going to be compared to those guys as well. It's another thing he has to deal with. Now he's got mom out on Instagram, and he had to unfollow his own mother. Oh, a tremendous fight. That was not the time for that. That was not the time. Not the time at all, Graceffo. My goodness. What do you do with your time? My goodness. What just happened? We just... Okay. So, anyway. Uh, if you were Zach Wilson and you have to unfollow your own mother on Instagram because it's a problem for you. That's a crazy situation. I That's mean, absolutely ludicrous. See, that is ludicrous and appropriate. Um, he, for Zach Wilson, he's been a New York Jet for, what, two weeks? I mean, he's hardly been with the team. And to have to have that kind of situation is brutal for him. Now, you hope... It moves on quickly. She made her account private. Smart move. He's unfollowed her to try to distance himself from the comments. Also a smart move. I don't know what it's like for them behind the scenes. I can't imagine it's exactly rosy. But to be a player 
and now have to worry about all of these other things because that's the tough part of this. You want it to be as a fan. Like, I would love for it to be that this guy, hey, I'm a fan of a certain team. Like, for me, I mean, you've heard me. I've been out here. I'm an Eagles fan, right? Like, that's my team. That's who I've always rooted for. That's why I'm sitting here and I'm doing the show. I love the Eagles. I love football. That's been my main thing. But you want it to be about football. I would love that they just draft a guy and it's like, hey, I just want to play. This is my job. I show up to work. I work out. I learn the playbook. I practice. It is what it is. You make so much money doing other things. There are so many other things in your universe as a player that, yeah, you are going to be distracted. You are going to look at other stuff. And you are going to have other people that want to get involved and capitalize on your popularity as well. Right? Like, you're going to have siblings that might be like, hey, my brother's famous. Let me fire off some tweets. Let me get out some thoughts on the New York Jets. And at first, it's great. You're going, hey, my brother, Zach Wilson, go Jets. And then you're getting all the follows. And then one day you say something dumb because it's 2 in the morning and you had 20 beers and you're not on the New York Jets. But that goes out and that's your problem. You know what I mean? Like, and it's Zach Wilson's problem or whoever it is because I don't want to make this about his family too much. But there are so many players, all of these players, and families need to be aware of their influence and their accessibility to everybody else in the media, to the public, because you are way more visible now. And the draft is a real turning point of that, being a prospect and now being an actual player for a specific team. When Because before the draft, everything's just a possibility. Like, do they get Trevor Lawrence? Maybe. Or, well, Lawrence was a lock. But do they go Zach Wilson? Maybe. Do they go, if you're Atlanta, like, could it be Justin Fields? Could it be Kyle Pitts? Could it be Jamar Chase? Like, who knows? Maybe they trade out. You just don't, like, you're not going to get too, you're going to learn the landscape. You're going to look at the player. You're going to think about how they fit with your team. But you're not going to, like, really dig into him for for the most part as a fan, as even somebody as a, as a reporter, until they're on the team. Then the work is worth the time. So, now you go, okay, well, well, look, his mom's on Instagram. Let me follow her. I'll keep an eye on that. You never know. Maybe she posts some cute stuff, some memes like, oh, here's Black little Zach. I don't even want to know. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> I don't trust you. <laughs> so. <laughs> Whacking a wine. No. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, so, I'm trying to, like, make this a cogent point now. I can't, I can't even do it. We're just going to call it. If you're a family member, it just don't do it. All right? Lock your account. Go private. Have a burner. Be anonymous. Just, like, don't publicly Instagram, whatever. Don't capitalize off of their fame and try to make it your fame because... Odds are you're going to cause problems. It's just a dangerous thing to do. Leave Zach alone. Yes. Moral of the story. Leave him alone. Now. Leave Brittany alone. That's a whole other thing I will not comment on. I've seen the documentary, and there's too much at stake for me to say something. I'm not. Just for me. Leave the kid alone. <laughs> uh, there we go. For Graceffo, yes. Leave Zach Wilson alone. Um, 855-212-4227. That's how you can join the show. Because you might be like, whatever team you're a fan of, you know, you probably have somebody that's a player that's been with your team and been like, oh, yeah, that person's mom or that person's aunt or that person's dad or that person's brother. Like, somebody more often than not does come out and say something or snap something or whatever, and it's just dumb, and it causes issues you don't need. So, 
4227 if you want to talk about that.